Welcome to the Unconventional Ministry Podcast, where the conversation is about fresh ministry ideas and innovative ministry approaches. I'm Dennis Weens, your host, the Senior Impact Catalyst at Sat7 USA. Rick and Jane McKinney have lived an extraordinary life of ministry. Rick started preaching when he was 14 years old. Once described as mavericks, they have literally stepped out into the unknown to embrace God's call and experience God's presence in a way that only comes through a life of obedience. Whether planning churches or traveling the world to perform concerts, building a house in Mexico, traveling from village to village in India, they have followed God's voice as he led them forward one step at a time. God even asked them to walk across America, which they did. Five million steps each, 2,770 miles, and hundreds of gospel conversations, which we are going to talk about. So, Rick, welcome to the Unconventional Ministry Podcast. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, you've had uh, a lot of experience, and we were just uh, visiting a little bit. Uh, your experience of taking you around the world, but at the core, you're a pastor, you're a discipler, uh, you want to follow God's calling. And so this is really interesting that you wake up one morning and uh, God tells you to walk across America. So I'm sure there's a backstory to that understanding that God uh, wants you to walk across America. Let's start there for our podcast listeners to this backstory. Where did this come from? How did you hear this this request that God gave you? Well, we were in full-time evangelism traveling around the country, and uh, in 2005, we had uh, kind of honed in on reclaiming America for God. And uh, I was preaching a series of sermons. We were uh, singing. We had done lots of research about the origins of our country. And so that's really where our heart was. And I was studying one night, uh, reading Joshua chapter one, and I read the words, every place you put the sole of your foot, you can claim for me. And uh, I literally felt like I heard a voice in the room with me. I was the only one in the room. I actually turned around to see. Um, and that's not usually how God speaks to me. And I doubt if anybody else in the room could have heard it, but I heard it strongly enough in my spirit that I responded and said, yes, I believe that. And so God and I began kind of bantering, talking back and forth. He said, do you really believe that? I said, I really believe you said that to Joshua. And he said, no, do you believe the principle? And uh, I had to think about that a bit, but I finally came to the place to understand that what God was telling me was there was a principle about putting down the sole of your foot and actually claiming a land for him. And so the question then came, what do you want to claim? And of course, on our heart uh, all year long, we've been talking about reclaiming America. And I said, I want to claim our country for you. God said, then put your sole of your foot down. And uh, so I took that to mean that I was supposed to put the sole of my foot literally down in as much of the country as I wanted to claim for him. And that meant from one coast to the other. My wife wasn't uh, on board right away. Right. <laughs> she was a little reticent. We were not athletes. We'd never walk long distance. I was the kind of guy who uh, go to the shopping center and I drive from one store to the next store. I wasn't a walker at all. But uh, as time went on and we both felt uh, that's what God wanted us to do, we talked to our pastor. He affirmed that call and uh, we immediately started to prepare physically, mentally, spiritually, financially uh, to make the walk. And do you hear God speaking to you? I think a lot of our podcast listeners are walking with the Lord, are trusting the Lord, are studying, are listening for the Lord to speak to them. 
but it's really something, you're quite an example of discerning God's voice in the stillness of that living room, and then the courage you have to be obedient and do what God told you to do. You started the walk in Santa Monica Pier in California, and you walked to the steps of the Supreme Court. Uh, what's the significance of the Supreme Court as in terms of your walk? We felt like since we were walking about reclaiming America that uh, we needed to end, and we ended on July 4th, a very symbolic day for us as well. Uh, we ended in Washington, D.C. We knelt to pray beside the Lincoln Memorial and walked past the Washington Monument and the White House, and finally to uh, pass the Capitol to the Supreme Court steps, because we felt like that is the heart of our country in many respects. Um, and we felt like that was kind of the the, the final uh, stage on which right. we could pray and uh, we held a rally on the Supreme Court steps. Uh, we then climbed the steps as far as they will let you go. And my wife and I had our final prayer of the walk on, on those steps, praying for our country, uh, praying for God to move in a special way in the lives of the people who live here. So you've written a book about this, and we'll talk about that book here in a little bit so our podcast listeners can get all the details. So the question that comes to my mind, I'm sure our podcast listeners are thinking it as well, how do you prepare for something like this? You weren't a jogger. You weren't uh, an elite athlete that's prepared, that's you know been preparing for this. How does one go about preparing physically, uh, emotionally? And then we'll talk uh, next about the financial component. All right. Well, um, physically, uh, the first thing we did was we began to research how many other people had walked across America. Was it even feasible to do such a thing. And we found that there were several people who had made cross-country walks, different paths, different uh, routes, but uh, there were people who had done it. And we read some of their books. So we contacted them. We actually had meetings with some of them. We actually got some of the maps. They sent us the maps that they had used across the country with notes that they had made. Um, so we gathered information first, and then we began to talk to them about what kind of gear will we need, what kind of shoes. We went to uh, shoe shops that specialized in long distance running and long distance walking. And they looked at our walk and our gait and analyzed our feet and told us what kind of shoes we needed. And uh, we began to do that sort of research and go to Cabela's and uh, Bass Pro different places and buy all the waterproof gear. And so that's how we did it uh, to prepare our bodies and to prepare logistically for the walk across America. And we also began to share and talk about it as we traveled in our evangelism ministry. And just sharing it uh, was a great emotional help to us because when you first say it, it sounds strange. And you you right. say it and you think, did I just say we're going to walk across America? Right. <laughs> but the more you say it, uh, the more God uh, helps you believe it. And uh, the more people that come on board and say, man, that's a, that's a great thing. We're going to be praying for you. We're going to be doing what we can to support you. Uh, that made a huge emotional uh, readiness for us. And, and it also kind of gave us a, a momentum. Uh, it gave us uh, a desire to do it because we had publicly said, this is what we're going to do. Um, and so th there were a lot of components to that. So then how did you prepare financially? Well, being in full-time evangelism, we were already kind of living uh, by faith, living on a shoestring from love offering to love offering. Um, and so knowing that we would be basically six months without any income at all was a huge hurdle. Right. Uh, one of the first persons we talked to was our pastor, and 
after he affirmed that he felt like God was really speaking to us about this, he and several of the churches in our hometown began to rally around us and hold uh, all different kinds of rallies where we could speak and tell people our vision, tell people why we were walking. People began to make monthly commitments. And when we actually took off on January 1st from Santa Monica Pier, we had about 50% of the finances we knew we were going to need to make it across America. And so even that was a huge uh, step of faith. But we had already agreed if we ran out of money, we would stop wherever we were. We'd work a few weeks, get enough money to go to the next uh, location, and we would work our way across America if that's what it took. And so as you set out to walk, uh, did you have a path that went through every state or had you followed traditional routes like uh, Route 66 comes to mind? Uh, how did you design your route that you were going to walk on? We actually drove the entire route the year before, and we knew that uh, we wanted to walk Route 66 uh, for half of the walk uh, from Los Angeles to Oklahoma City. Oklahoma City is just about halfway. And then after that, Route 66 goes north to Chicago, which wasn't the path we wanted to take. So after Oklahoma City, we walked basically the I-40 corridor as far east as Bristol, Tennessee, and then up Route 11 through Virginia and then over to Washington, D.C. So we had walked, uh, we had rid ridden in a car the whole route. We'd scoped out campgrounds and uh, different places of interest that we thought we'd want to stay or speak or minister in some way. We spoke in churches on Sunday. We didn't walk except for the first day of the walk, which happened to fall on Sunday. Uh, we didn't walk on Sundays. We spoke in churches all across the United States. And we tried to route ourselves through as many major cities as possible uh, so that we could minister to inner city people and homeless people and meet a wide uh, variety of different kinds of people. We knew that would happen mostly in big cities. And so there were lots of uh, reasons we walked the way we did, but it uh, it was probably the most efficient way to get from one coast to the other. So as you're walking, did you, did you carry camping gear with you? Did you did people put you up as you arrived in your destination each day? Did you stay in motels? No, uh, we camped. Uh, we actually, because we were in full-time evangelism, had a camper. Um, and the most interesting thing happened as we began to promote the walk, uh, Moody Radio and uh, K-Love Radio and several television stations, newspapers began to carry the story. The word sort of spread, especially in Christian circles. And people began to call us or write us, and email us and say, how can we help? And so we had a different uh, person or couple come every week of the walk and uh, drive a support vehicle. It had medicine and um, extra shoes and clothes and different gear and uh, our lunch and all that sort of water, that sort of thing. And so they stayed within three or four miles of us all day long. We walked about 20 miles each day, six days a week. And so they would come. Sometimes they flew. Sometimes they would drive. Uh, and we would stay at a campground about in the middle of what we were walking for the week. So if we walked 120 miles a week, somewhere around the 60-mile mark, we had a campground already picked out. We would camp there. On Monday morning, they would drive us backwards 60 miles. We would walk 20 miles. We'd drive a stake in the ground with a blue flag on it to let us know where we stopped. They would pick us up and take us back to camp the next morning, back to that flag. And that's how it went. Then Wednesday, we would go the other direction. Saturday, when we were done walking, we'd move 120 miles down the road. And we did that week after week for six months. Uh, so we camped in campgrounds. Uh, it was just my wife and I walking, except 
on a few occasions, we had some pastors who walked with us and some of our drivers who came to drive for us walked with us. Uh, but 95% of the time, it was just Jane and I. So as you reflect back on this experience, uh, all the preparation, the work, the logistics, as you reflect back on this, what are some things that you learned, you and your wife, Jane, uh, that you learned as you walked in obedience to God? Uh, well, uh, a couple of real major things, I think. Uh, we thought when we began walking that the walk was going to be primarily about the steps, uh, taking so many steps every day, walking so many miles each day, and and getting this walk accomplished from one coast to the other. What we learned very quickly was it wasn't nearly so much about the steps as it was about the stops. It was about the people we met along the way. Uh, we would stop at a bus stop where somebody was waiting on a bus and talk to them about Christ. Uh, we would meet construction workers. It was so uncanny. We'd been praying for a year that God would set up these divine appointments for us. When you think about walking across America, if you miss one traffic light, if you spend five minutes longer at lunch or shorter uh, at talking to someone else, you're going to miss something down the road. And so we had prayed God would design and order our steps. He promised to do that in such a way that we would have these divine appointments all the way. And so these stops became the primary focus uh, of the entire walk. The other major thing we learned was that we thought the walk was going to be about changing other people and mm -hmm. uh, and witnessing to other people. And that was a huge part of what we did. But what we found was the walk was more transformational for us than for anybody else. We had prayed when we began the walk, help us see people the way Jesus sees people. And I'll just tell you, don't ever pray that prayer unless your life, you want your life to be radically changed. Because as you begin to see the hurting people, the lonely people, uh, we walk through five major Native American reservations. When you see people the way Jesus sees people, it changes everything. And um, those are the two major lessons we learned, that it's about the stops in life, not the steps. And it's about your life being transformed. Uh, we're real big about trying to change other people, but sometimes we're very reluctant to let God change us. Amen. That's great advice and a very uh, interesting perspective and lessons that you've learned. What advice would you have for the podcast listener? God's not going to ask them to maybe to walk across America, but God's asking all of us to do different things. Sometimes it's kind of out of the box. It might even seem strange at the beginning, like walking across America. Just talk to us a little bit about advice you have for somebody sitting in their living room and they hear God's voice. Uh, I think you've learned a lot through your experience of 50 years. Yes. I, I think the main thing that Jane and I have learned is that the key to obedient Christian living is saying yes before you hear the question. So we made a commitment at the very beginning of our lives together in the very beginning of our ministry that our answer to God would always be yes. And we said that before we knew what the questions were. So if you make that commitment to God, then when he asks you to do something, it may be something predictable. It may be something completely out of the ordinary, but you don't have to make the decision at that point about whether or not you're going to do what God asks you to do, because you already made that decision. You already made that commitment. You already made that vow to God. The answer will always be yes, no matter what you ask me to do. I believe with all my heart that when you make that kind of commitment to God, that he'll ask you to do some things that somebody else may not get asked to do because right. their answer would be no. And so my first advice would be 
make a commitment right now to say yes to God, no matter what he asks you to do. The other thing is that I believe obedience is where so much of our relationship with God hinges, not in a legalistic way, not obeying him because we're afraid if we don't, he's going to smack us upside of the head with the ball bat, but obeying him as a response to the kind of love and mercy and grace that he's shown us. Um, that's how it works in marriage. That's how it works in good relationships. And that's how it works in our relationship with God. I don't do what I do because I'm afraid God's going to punish me. I hope that my motivation is always the fact that he loved me. And so I love him back. And uh, that's, that's the key. Say yes and uh, do what you do out of love for God. You know, you've just uh, recently wrote a book about this experience that took place a number of years ago, and so I'm sure our podcast listeners want to know where they can get a copy of that book, and I believe just last month you released this book. It's just newly written, and you're already working on some other uh, other books and different stories. Uh, where can people get some of this uh, information? Uh, well, the easiest way is uh, two ways. Uh, one, you can visit our website, rickandjanemckinney.com. There's lots of information there, not just about the book, but uh, about our ministry. There's pictures of us all over the world. There's even some baby pictures there if people are interested in what we used to look like when he had hair, uh, that kind of thing. But uh, uh, I also write a blog that's there and a newsletter that you can sign up for, all kinds of things. No fundraising, just information. Um, and there's a click, uh, a, a box you can click if you'd like to uh, be connected to Amazon and, and look at the book. Uh, you can also go directly to Amazon.com, put in Rick and Jay McKinney or Walk Across America. Somewhere in the first few books, And So They Walked is the title of the book, will show up. And uh, it's available in ebook and in paperback. That's the best way to connect with us. And we can also be connected uh, with through email right through the website. And I'll put some of those links in the description of the podcast episode. Okay. And uh, I know going to your website, you can even look at a video of Rick and Jane walking in the rain along yeah. one of the highways. So that was kind of interesting seeing that even on bad weather, you still were committed to walking that 20 miles yes. a day. So, yeah. And uh, McKinney is spelled M-C-K-I-N-N-E-Y. So J Rick and Jane McKinney dot com. Well, Rick, this has been fascinating to visit with you. Uh, what are some parting thoughts you have for our podcast listeners? Uh, just living for Jesus is the best way to live. Uh, I love him with all my heart, and I hope any of your podcasters who don't already know him uh, will come to know him in a very personal way, uh, because it is really uh, an adventure. Thank you. Uh, amen to that. And uh, thank you again for joining the Unconventional Ministry Podcast and what you did in answering God's call in the living room that day is a little unconventional, but impactful for you as well as many others. And thank you for being obedient to God's voice and discerning his voice and being obedient to that voice. So thank you for joining the Unconventional Ministry Podcast. Thank you. It was a pleasure. This is the Unconventional Ministry Podcast. If you've enjoyed this conversation, please share it with your friends and leave a comment. Sat7 is a Middle East and North Africa broadcast media ministry making God's love visible and the gospel available to everyone in the Middle East and North Africa. Sat7 USA has resources in helping you honor God while protecting your family. You can avoid another regret, which is the failure of not creating an estate plan. 
Through a partnership with Financial Planning Ministry, SAT7 USA provides Christian experts to assist you in preparing your will or trust, all at no financial cost to you. Visit www.sat7usa.org and click on the tab Planned Giving for more information. SAT7 simplifies the process and makes it easy for you so that your family and friends don't have to bear the burden and regret of your failure to create an estate plan. Thank you again for joining this episode of the Unconventional Ministry Podcast.